listening to a PK Olawale sermon. Prepare to be blessed. Alright then, praise the Lord. So we'll be talking about the 10 lies of the devil you must live above. This is part 7. We're talking about lies 7 and 8 today. I'm just going to have a kind of recap with you what is lie 1. For those of you that are just joining us, you've missed a whole lot. Um, but thank God for technology. All this is still on um, the, my YouTube channel, PK Olawale. Okay, or I think it will also be on uh, on um, on uh, Facebook. So you could always go back there and watch the um, uh, earlier teachings on this. We talked about lie one. Satan says there are some gaps in God's word. It kind of attacks the credibility of what God says. Um, uh, lie to all this, uh, how we handle them. Lie to because the whole essence is to highlight the lie. Um, kind of also highlight uh, um, those lies in different ways they come. In other words, the devil has different ways of presenting the same thing. So we try to mention some of them so you could get familiar with them and also teach us how to live above it. We debunk it by scripture. They will tell you why you should live above it. You are more important to yourself than God is to you. That's lie number two. He says you are the center of your life, so you can live the way you want. Hallelujah. As far as life goes, you are the most important entity. That's a lie. You're living for Christ. And number three, the lie says, um, um, like Satan says, he's sovereign and can decide what he wants to do when he wants to do it. No one can stop him. He's responsible to himself and not subject to anyone. We debunked that, that the, the person that still giving him life is God. All right. So um, only Jesus and only God is sovereign. Number four, he says, I am powerful, powerful. God is only slightly more powerful. So he's not saying God is not powerful. He says, God is only more slightly powerful than myself. Okay. And that's not true. <laughs> Remember, I wanted to overthrow his government in heaven. We debunked that. There was no time that God ever fought with the devil. That's an insult. All right. So we talk about um, how how we debunked all that lies and how how and why you should live above it. Lie number five says you must remain sorry for your past forgiven sins. It is humility before God. That is self-pity. Um, um, that is self-pity. It's not of God. All right. And you should not live in the past. Hallelujah. Number six, which is where we stopped last week. He says repentance and regret are the same thing. Okay, so if we are feeling sorry um, for doing wrong, it is enough and acceptable before God. And we said last week that repentance and regret are not the same thing. Regret has to do with a change of mind and uh, um, uh, followed by um, uh, actions uh, that is totally inverse to how we are living before all right and we say repentance is more of what you do not how you feel obviously you feel sorrowful and um, you feel bad but it's godly sorrow not regret all right regret is what um judas had and godly sorrow is what peter had so uh ooh, okay i gave you an assignment last week i said you had to compare these two lives as regards repentance and regrets what was their crime the confrontation, the verdicts, the attitude and the response, then the decisions that followed that encounter. 
okay well to do that if you remember very well um please can can somebody shoot me can anybody type please any part of this for david and Saul? could you remember i gave you this i gave us this assignment for those who did it daniel eber good evening god bless you um for for those of you who, who actually did the assignment i will need you to talk to me now okay i want you to talk to me what what did you what uh what did you learn or what came to you just type away all right either for saul or david but let me just say david okay whatever what was his attitude what was his response what was the decision what was the confrontation you were to analyze this and know the difference good evening sister there be hey, hello how is my brother and my bros praise god titi layo god bless you welcome olumide god bless you praise god for tonight hallelujah amen okay let's invite more people glory be to god um so for those of us here what is uh type away if you wrote anything or you studied this and you got some things okay please share with us what came to you okay forget what i wrote on the screen what, what was it that came that struck you when you were studying the life what happened to david and what happened to saul okay please just mention one or two things Hallelujah. God bless you. Um, the crime um, for David, adultery and murder, um, the confrontation by Nathan, story of the rich man. I love these kind of people encourage me. They just make this whole thing worth my while. Hallelujah. What the while. Hallelujah. The verdict. Saul never depart from David's house. God will raise evil against David. His wives will be taken. The child died. The attitude response. Repent and confessed his sin god put away his sin wonderful thank you so much Sister yes is anybody other person typing god bless you Sister thank you so much god bless you real real good that's lovely okay another person talk to me talk to me somebody type 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 away all right um dial honey hallelujah i love this thing. i felt bad for saul's relationship because he had gotten used to god he did not know God well enough to have respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. God bless you, Sister Dio. Amen. Shei saying, David's crime was adultery. Saul's crime was people pleasing over God pleasing. Wow. Okay, now we're talking. Talk to me, somebody. Just type away. Nothing on Instagram yet. Is Instagram alive and well? Are we here on Instagram? Are we are we up and running? Talk to me. Type something. Anybody, everybody. Type something away. Good evening, Sheo. Are they doing? God bless you, sister. Sheo Yusuf. God bless you real good. Let's study the Bible, brother. Let's study the Bible. This is your Bible. This is now, please. I, I want you to, while you're, I, I'm sure while you were studying all that, I gave us this assignment so that you can probably, you know, you know what the Holy Spirit does. Let me give you, let me say this scripture to you to explain my point and buttress my point. The Bible says, Jesus said, when you go into prayers, and you go into the to shut your door to pray then you now remember that someone has a heart against you leave your gift there and go back and um uh go and reconcile with the person do you know what that suggests it suggests that you didn't have it in mind you didn't remember that person before you came to prayers otherwise they'll have told you to do it before you came all right it was while you were there in god's presence you know the holy spirit brought that memory into your heart 
That's why you needed to go attend to that first of all. And so while you were studying this, it is whenever you're in God's presence, whenever you're studying your Bible, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God confronts us sometimes. Most times, if I don't know about I, my, I check myself in Scripture first of all. And I know the areas I'm not doing well. I feel, Lord, okay, then I know what to pray. Because every time you study your Bible and you see yourself, it is a mirror. You take, it helps you go, it takes you into prayer. So you ask the Lord, Lord, I, I'm not doing too well here. And I think I know why, but I just need to help me with this, 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 this. Then it begins to remind you of some of the things you did that were wrong and you didn't know they were wrong sometimes or some you knew they were wrong or you just, you were so uh, um, um, adamant. You decided at that point in time, you didn't feel like saying sorry to anybody. And it will remind you and say, look, you need to repent of this. And you repent of them. So that, that's the essence of this story. That's why I wanted you to go. Good evening. God bless you. Daniel Eber, wonderful. Saul was more concerned on what people think. While David was more concerned on what God... Wow. Daniel, this is what I'm doing now. That's hot. Daniel Eber says Saul was more concerned um, 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 uh, on what... I'm reading what he wrote. On what people think. Um, uh, or was more concerned about... or. Uh, what uh, people's thought and impression of him um, while David was so all about God all right and that's why David could dance publicly and somebody who is so uh, into himself or people or or very impressionable he's saying why are you doing like this you're a king he says no with God I'm nothing I just want to impress God may our life impress God in the name of Jesus um David when David repented of his sins and cried out in Psalm 51, that God should not take his spirit from him. He definitely took a page from Saul's experience in 416 as he was the one playing the harp. Whenever the distressed spirit, ooh, see, I'm doing this again. Uh, hmm. <laughs> that means that's hot. He <laughs> says, so when he was saying, cast me not away from your presence, take not your spirit from me, he was actually referring, because he used to play half of Saul, Okay, I used to know when the evil spirit will come and trouble Saul. But look at what he said. But um, trouble Saul when the latter disobeyed. David was always quick to learn from others and from his mistakes. As terrible as he did in 2 Samuel 12, it was his first chance. Um, Saul was on his second chance already in 1 Samuel 15 after 1 Samuel 13. Um, Debacle. Wow. Raphia, God bless you. Raphia, Saul disobeyed God's instruction uh, in order to please the people. Praise the Lord. God bless you, people. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Hallelujah. Let me read from Shei. Shei says, For that David's attitude was that of repentance and turning away from sin, and Saul's attitude was making excuses. Whoa, Shei, that is hot. Are we talking? There's nothing coming on Instagram. Instagram, what's going on now? Hallelujah. They are just hitting me left and right here on Facebook. And so she also says the decision. Juliet, Juliet, Juliet says Saul was afraid of the people, but not God. Absolutely, Sister Juliet. Absolutely. Can you imagine being afraid? And that's what a lot of us do. If we are, if we are true to it, 
I pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to use this word as a mirror. Uh, which area am I pleasing men? Uh, which area? You know, some people say, oh, um, oh if you are really not, you're you dry, you're not blah, 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 you're not sociable. Come, let's go to the club. I just want to belong. Just don't want people talking about you. Who cares? Let them see what they have to say. Guess what? Those people used to make fun of me when I was young and I was in school and they called me SU. A lot of them are now known Jesus and they still come to me for prayers. Why? Because there was something um, over, over because they, you can't catch up. When they started out, gone. Do, do you understand? And if you had to leave for them, then the people that are calling you names they are going to repent tomorrow. And you might backslide and never come back. Please do not esteem men above God. Okay? Jesus said, I have not come to bring priests on the earth. I've come to put a sword. I've come to divide. What he's saying is, I'm, I'm going to get people to love me more than they love anything. Any human being, any father, any mother, any anybody. All right? Praise the Lord. God bless you, Juliet. She says, the decision for David was that his sin was forgiven when he repented. But there was there were consequences. But Saul, but Saul because he was unrepentant, lost his throne. Hallelujah. I'm enjoying this. I could, you know, I could stay here all day. I could say, just getting your feedback is just so satisfying and gratifying for me. Um, um, David, uh, sorry, Yemisi says, um, David committed adultery and murder. Nathan the prophet brought the judgment uh, verdict. He, he will lose his child attitude. David was sorry and went to God for forgiveness. Decision. He repented and was mindful to make his relationship with God work. Hallelujah. Praise God. Modupe says, please help darken the template or the comment. We can't see comments. It's showing in white color. Mm, I don't know what that means. The comment. Is it comment on? Uh, no, that should be on your screen. Modupe, it can't be from mine. Is it, uh, uh, is it the comment? Comment of other people, right? On Facebook? Is that what you're talking about? That issue issue um, darken or reduce the brightness on your phone. Alright? Um, Lord, please let me please you more than people. Amen. Hallelujah. This is what Aniakan says. Saul's allegiance was to the people rather than God that made him king. And guess what, brethren? A lot of us still do it all. Our allegiance is to the person God used to help us, not to God. <laughs> God used someone to help you. Maybe God used someone to um, break you through financially. And your allegiance is to that person. You rather attend to that person's need than be of service in church. That is an error. I don't know who I'm talking to. Please, let's change our ways and the Lord will help us. Okay, so we also talked about, we compared the second one. We compared um, Peter and Judas. Um, time is really gone. We might not be able to. Um, time is really gone. Let me ex also say this. Uh, sometimes, I don't know about you, you know, especially those of us in ministry, it affects us a lot. Sometimes we, God gives us a responsibility, maybe lead a people, be a pastor, or do give you a work of ministry. And we now take his position um, in terms of that work. In other words, the work now becomes more important than God himself. Do you understand? Do you understand? You would rather just do more as far as the work is concerned than spend time with God. Okay, you'll be busy with the people. You'll be busy for God's people. You are being diligent on the assignment. 
but you are not being diligent in your relationship with God. We need to repent of that and we need to get back. All right. As a young minister of the gospel, I got, I, I was lost in that. I must tell you the Jesus, Jesus truth. I was lost in that. Um, but thank God for my wife. She helped me out of it. All right. You get so, so passionate for God. Um, I was still spending time with God, but the work was more important than a lot of other things. Okay. I just wanted to see Jesus honored. But brethren, it's Jesus who honors himself. He wants to see you with him. He doesn't want you to see him honor that just he wants to see you with him that's the honor he wants from you you be with him then from there you know his mind and you can live out his mind to the people otherwise somebody you just find yourself being stressed by the people he sent you to and god does not send you people to send us to be stressed all right praise the lord hallelujah amen okay so let's let's continue the whatever for today and uh, what we, we talked about what repentance is and what repentance is not. I made some general statement last week. I said, great doesn't make God's standard negotiable. Rather, it makes them attainable. Number two, you cannot live a godly, fulfilled, and happy life in Christ with a closed Bible. Please study your Bible yourself. Then finally, number three, stop giving God your best. It is not, it is actually not all you have give him your all there's a difference between your best and your all god jesus is not interested in your best he wants your all your all is your life your time your your, your life once he has your life he has everything that you own hallelujah today line number seven the devil says let's go quickly the devil says i know your future i've seen a lot of in fact there are some songs uh, there are some songs around this lie okay there, there are some songs around this line. There are some prayer points around this line. <laughs> I've heard them. Um, I'm, please, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'll be the last person to um, attack what anyone has said, okay? Because we are, we are different levels of understanding, all right? So it doesn't mean the people are devilish or demonic, just a level of understanding, all right? says, I know your future. This is what, this is like, like seven, Satan's like seven. He says, I know your future and I will stand in your way. I will steal your destiny. Some people, I've heard people pray that, um, Lord, every, every, uh, wherever they stole my destiny or they have exchanged my destiny for that of another one. Please, you are not a non-believer. <laughs> you are not a non-believer. <laughs> Whatever this, whatever experiment Satan can do with unbelievers, he can't try it with you. Are you listening to me? Yeah, whatever experiment Satan can do with unbelievers, he cannot try it with you. Why? Your case is different. You are a child of the Almighty God. All right? Bible says your life is hidden in Christ and Christ in God. So he says, see, this is Satan's life. I know your, uh, your future and I will stand in your way. I will steal your destiny. I am not called destiny stealer for nothing. Brethren, he is not destiny stealer to Christians. He can never be. Let me explain this to you. He can never be. Even the unbelievers. It's because that spirit man is dead. That's why he can mess around with them the way he wants to. But he messes around with a lot of Christians too. Because a lot of people are bought into this life. Some people pray, 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 pray. That my destiny has been put under the stone, under the rock. Some people pray, 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 and you are born again and saved. Uh, <laughs> brethren, uh, there's a lot to 
to get over okay that's why we say you must live above this lie let's go to the next thing so how do we let me tell you some things that will help you um get over this lie okay number one the devil the devil can't alter his own future now excuse me please yeah there's a there's an idea in my place that says if if you want to make someone rich or you want to sow a great clue for somebody i'll first of all check the one you are wearing all right if the devil says oh i know your future and i can destroy your future i can do something about your future brethren the person must be able to how do or do something or change something about his own future first of all do you understand what i'm saying okay so the devil the devil who can't alter his own future is trying to alter your own future how does that work something he can't do for himself how can he do it for you hallelujah do you, do you understand what i'm saying if jesus says oh um uh, um don't worry everyone anyone in me that believes in me though it is dead he shall live again do you want to see first of all jesus you have you died and lived again yes that's why we believe in him but if satan says satan says i would i know your future i will alter your future uh -huh, okay Hey, 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 ask him can you alter your own first of all he can't because he's, he knows his future let me explain this do you know satan knows his own future but he can do nothing about it if he cannot alter he can't do something about his future why do you believe that he can do something about your own revelations chapter 20 look at this open your bible let's we have a lot of scriptures to open tonight revelations chapter 20 so the first point is this uh, i had a brain with friend i was doing this this evening he said you can't do anything about your own future you, he knows his future do you understand what i'm saying he knows his future he knows his future and we know it too because it is written in our bible hallelujah look at what the bible says chapter number 20 revelations 21 to 3 i'll read very quickly then i saw an angel coming down from heaven um, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand he laid hold on the dragon, that serpent of hold, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he would not deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a while. Brethren, Satan cannot escape this. There is nothing he can do to escape, to escape this. It is an ordinary angel that was arrested. Not Michael, not any general. It is just an angel. Why? He must submit to the arrest because it was is a command given by God. Satan be arrested. Period. He cannot resist it. Do you are you listening to me? Let's read verse 7 to verse 10 again. Then now, when the thousand years had expired, Satan will be released from his prison. Someone say it's prison. He has a prison. Hell is not Satan's home. Are you listening to me? Hell is not Satan's home. Hell is Satan's prison. Okay, it will be it will be in a prison forever and forever. Someone say, Oh, are you going around and it will be tormenting people? It will be the chief tormented. Are you listening to me? He will be the chief tormented. Nobody will have time to go and torment another person in hell. All those things that I say, oh, and a demon was looking for him and choking him and strangling him. They are under torment. Nobody has time for anybody in hell. Even Satan doesn't have time for anybody. All right. <coughs> because he'll be going through his own torment forever and forever now when the thousand years are expired satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth gog and magog to gather together to battle this is what the bible called the battle of Armageddon. whose number is the son of the sea who gathered the whole people of the earth they went upon the they went 
up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, Jerusalem. And fire came down from God. So Armageddon, there was no battle that happened. They gathered themselves, but we didn't have to fight. It was just fire that came down from heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Somebody say, Amen. They will be tormented day and night forever. Brethren, do you know, Satan knows all this. He can't do anything about it. If a person that can't do anything about his future comes to you and says he is going to deal with your future, excuse me, where is that coming from? You don't have power to do anything about your own. Which power, <laughs> which power, <laughs> which power do you have to do anything about mine? Are you listening? Number two, the devil does not know your future. Let me explain this. First Corinthians chapter two. Let's go open Bible. Everybody, open. Are you opening Bible tonight? If somebody should laugh at the devil, please laugh at it. Yeah, I mean, do you understand? Do you know a lot of people don't know that the devil can't do anything about his future? His future is already sealed. It is already written. We know it, and he can't do anything about it, brother. If at least if something is written, um, there's an adage in my place that a war that has been announced early, huh? does not claim the life of a cripple because the cripple has enough time to get away from war zone and move into safety all right so it is not a sudden war this is something that he has been it has been written he has been declared from the foundations of time since when he fell and there's nothing i can do about it nothing hey brother if he can do nothing about his own future what gives him the power to do something about your own are you listening to me hallelujah do you, all the things are lies when people say ah you don't know the devil devil if you know the devil when he shows up again you don't know jesus you don't know your bible that's what i will tell you my response to you is hey you don't know my jesus if you know my jesus you will not think of the devil the devil cannot alter his future he cannot do anything about it guess what he does not know your future let me show you that he doesn't know for your future first Corinthians and chapter number two. My time is so fast spent. I'm so excited today with the studies. This, the two, the two, um, whatever we're covering today, very interesting one. Okay, chapter number two, first Corinthians two. I'm going to read verse seven to verse number eight. First Corinthians two, seven to eight. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory which none of the rulers of this age knew, which Satan did not know, for had they known it, they don't know it, had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't know, Jesus has been saying, I will die, I will die, I will die, and he will resurrect. They didn't understand it. They were just hearing this. They don't know it. They don't know the future. If he knew that the death of Jesus would bring redemption to you and I, he wouldn't have bothered killing Jesus. He wouldn't have mobilized people to go and kill Jesus. He does not know your future. Brethren, even you, whose future is, is, is being discussed now, you don't know your future. The little you know is the one God shows you. Okay? I'm not talking of your vision. I'm not talking of your desire. I'm talking of purpose. What God wrote against your name. What God says you are going to be. What God wants you to be for him. Huh? He cannot, he cannot destroy your destiny. He, he, he doesn't even know it. And like, I love, I love the words of Muhammad Ali. Uh, I move like a butterfly, I sting like a bee. Okay? You cannot hit what you cannot see. <laughs> move like a butterfly, sting like a bee. You can't hit what you can't see. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, brethren, my own destiny 
can't see so when you can't see it you can't heat it hallelujah why can't you see it okay it's in christ jesus even me i don't know it <laughs> even me i don't know it the little that god shows me is very very little do you know why god doesn't show us everything okay not because the devil will now know it and do something about it no so that we do not through doubt okay the bible says i am um i will walk a walk in you if it were told you you will not believe it so he will not tell you so that your doubt because doubt can hinder god your doubt will not hinder his walking so it doesn't it just gives you the little that your faith can handle the little the little the little that your faith can handle just show you a bit where i'm taking you to a bit where i'm going to you to and it keeps unfolding as your faith grows otherwise do you understand it's like the load will be too much on your faith and your fuse will explode bah! and when your fuse explodes that's the end of the destiny hallelujah even though god got great plans but there will be nobody to receive it praise the lord number number three that satan is a master of the past only he does not know the future he doesn't even have an idea of the present he's just a master of the past that's why he keeps reminding you the things you did wrong who you used to be everything about is a master of your past okay he still has his own diary full of everything you did wrong he didn't he doesn't know every everything paul said this one thing i do 313 philippians i forget the things okay there's a reason the things gone behind you are dangerous is that is satan's territory your past that is satan's territory but your future he doesn't know where you're going, he doesn't know. What you're going to be, he does not know. Someone say, ah, they are seeing it that you're going to be something. It is a lie. They don't know what you're going to be. They have no clue. Herod thought Jesus was just another king. Okay. Political king, that's what he's thinking. They said the king is born. King. The word king is what construct. If they had said he was a priest, he won't have a problem. But king, ah, I'm going to lose my throne. You know, it is not the king. If they don't understand it, they can't stop it. So Herod was trying to kill Jesus so that Jesus would not become the head of a political party that will overthrow him and be friend to the Romans. <laughs> no, but, but you can't kill this thing. No, you cannot. You can't stop it. Do you understand? He doesn't know your future. So please stop. <laughs> Anytime the devil reminds you of my past, <laughs> I remind him of your future. So that's what Shola is typing here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> in, <laughs> the devil is in darkness and lives in darkness. Now, please, that's point number four. Know that the devil is in darkness. He lives in darkness. Ultimate darkness is ignorance. He does not know. Okay? Please know this thing. The devil has fallen. It was thrown down from heaven. The devil is falling. All right? Day, day after day, he's losing territories and grounds towards Christians. Then the devil will fall by the time he's thrown into the bottomless pit uh, for a thousand years. So it is for him. From the beginning till now, till everlasting, till forever. That's the only way for him. Satan can go this way. This is the way for him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even in your life, this is the way for him. Everything that has been seem, seeming seem to stand like this. Mm -mm. Tonight, everything that is, that is holding them under, whatever they are standing on, fills it. It fills them and it begins to go down the drain. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. So it, it, it lives in ignorance. It, it, it cannot steal what is in Jesus' hand. So the devil cannot steal what is in Jesus' hand. Jesus said, can you imagine? In John chapter number 17, Jesus was praying. He said, Father, I thank you. Because for the ones you have put in my hands, the ones you put in my care, talking about the disciples, says, I've lost none. I've lost none except the son of perdition. I've lost none except the son of perdition. I've lost none except the son of perdition. 
Brethren, if you are not a son of perdition, you can't be lost. It is not possible. Your destiny, Jesus handed it over. So you cannot steal what is in Jesus' hand. That is not possible. Number, um, I think that's your number seven or six. The devil will negotiate what he cannot destroy. Anything the devil cannot destroy. Do you know why he tells people I will steal your destiny? Is because he trying to distract. He will negotiate what he cannot destroy. Look at what he said in the beginning. Matthew Genesis chapter number three. So look at what he said in the beginning to the to the woman. Genesis chapter three and verse one. He says, "Now the serpent was more subtle, subtle." and cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? That is all. Okay? And the woman said, Can you imagine his statement? He didn't say anything about, he obviously didn't say anything about what God said. Um, he knew, uh, all, he, all he just knew was that probably this has to do with food. And I will tell you the re how he got to know, okay, that this thing has to do with food. I will tell you and i just came and said all the food because he doesn't understand he doesn't know what god has what the plan god has he didn't know he had the plan of god from the woman okay then he could now do he could now derail the woman he still couldn't steal it but he now did what it usually does which is what he does which is not what he admits okay what he does is actually to come and distract you so he will negotiate what he cannot destroy. He can't destroy your destiny. He doesn't know it, but he will negotiate your disobedience. He will negotiate with you. Um, he turned this stone to bread. He will negotiate with you. Worship me. He will negotiate with you. This ministry, ministry thing you are going to do. I will give you money. Forget this ministry thing. That's negotiation. He, he can't stop. He doesn't even know where you're going to be, but he's just trying to buy you out through sin, buy you out through frustrations, buy you out sometimes through the riches of this world. The Bible says the love of the world choke our hearts. Okay? Um, the devil is a master of distraction. Okay? What do you call fairy darts? Let me explain this fairy darts. The Bible says, and the fairy darts of darkness. Okay? Ephesians 6. What you call fairy darts is this. You remember? How many of you remember this movie we used to watch when we were young? Bonanza. Bonanza. Jan Blocker, Michael London, Penna, Robert Long Green. <laughs> if, you are, if you don't do that, you are very young. Okay? Don't worry. For those of you who are my days... Um, uh, Bonanza, if you remember Bonanza, okay, and you have these cowboys against red Indians, all right. Red Indians use a lot of arrows, cowboys use their guns, all right. So sometimes, because when the when the probably the red Indians, when they they are they are they are war with the cowboys, um, and the cowboys they usually have this their um, what do you call it now, wagons, okay, driven by horses. Sometimes they have a lot of money in there. What they'll do is this. They will, they will light a, a, an arrow. Okay? They will, they will light some fire. Okay? Um, and they will shoot a fairy dart, which is an arrow that is lit or that is on fire. They will now shoot it at the wagon. That is obviously a canopy and made it with wood. And because um, the guy there has a gun, uh, they use that to distract him. Okay, so that they can, he, rather than um, shoot at them, he will want to put out the fire and they have enough time to move close and probably um, overwhelm the cowboy. Okay, so the fairy that is not shot at you, it's shot at what other areas of concern you have so that you can get distracted and turn your face away from the battle. 
Okay, so that is a master of that. So it's called distraction. He's a master of distractions. Then what he does is this: he studies patterns and produces histogram. Because someone says, "Okay, how does the devil know that this is my weakness?" Oh, he does. He has been studying your life <laughs> since the day you were born. Let me explain this to you. Since, since the day you were born, God gave you a guardian angel. Since the day you were born, the devil also sent a demon to be monitoring you. The job of the demon also is just to just record everything about you from your childhood. The things, the propensities you have, all right? The things you do often and often, check your habits, your likes and your dislikes, everything. They begin to check, trace, that they are studying your early life and knowing, okay, this is an area, potential area of weakness. And they call it, they study patterns and they produce histograms to show, okay, 20, 1972, you did this. 1970 some you did this in 1970s so so it seems this seems this is more frequent with you than this other one so they feel this is necessarily your weakness okay this one just happens once in a while this one has happened many many times that's what they use okay to know okay if i'm going to tempt this person tempt him based on his histogram okay um the history of things you're done and you're done wrong that's how they know they study okay not because they have supernatural knowledge or uh, like god does uh-uh absolutely not is that clear let's go to the next one i must finish both today line number eight please if you have any question on line number seven i want to take one or two questions on this line number seven because this is one lie that a lot of believers it will amaze you how many believers believe that the devil can steal their destiny okay uh say destiny is um, uh, um, uh, they stole my destiny somebody even said they went for prayers and that they have swapped his destiny with that of his younger brother that's why the younger brother is getting richer so everything that's supposed to come to him excuse me please well, you are not, you are, this is a, you're a believer. You're a Christian brother. And you still believe all that? Mm, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. If you have any question on this, please shoot it out. Anyone. But if you, if you understand what I've just said, and you want to give praise to Jesus for setting you free, for letting you know Satan doesn't know anything about you. Don't bother. You don't even know it yourself. Please, can you like and love? Let's give God some praise. Let's thank Jesus for the word of God. Let's thank Jesus for the revelation of his glory. Let's thank Jesus for his power. Let, can we somebody just like and love? Just praise. You know how we like? Just give, do something. Like, love, just praise, whatever. And let's just give God some praise just for a second. Hallelujah. Glory be. Brethren, when you say you have been set free, brethren, you have been set free. Your destiny is not somebody that anybody will take to some them diabolic uh, uh, center and they will now cut you short. Where is that going to happen from? Hallelujah. Says there's an argument that the wise men saw the star of baby Jesus. And so those in darkness can have some knowledge about one's future. It is a, what do you think of this? No, 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 no. The B say they didn't say this. They say they said they saw a star. Now, what they saw is this in astronomy, astrology. What simply happened? Don't forget when Jesus was born. Very good question. When Jesus was born, the angels, okay, also saw star. Sorry, the shepherds. Forgive me. Are you? Do you remember? Uh, that's in Luke chapter number one. They also saw stars while they were there. Then suddenly, an angels appeared all over. Okay, so to shepherds, they will understand angels. The wise men from the east, they are stargazers. They don't understand angels. 
okay? But they understand astronomy. And God needed them to come from there. Okay, so what God, God used what they understood to bring them to Jerusalem. What the shepherds understood were angels because the shepherds were Jews, okay? The shepherds were Jews, but the Asians were not Jews. So they don't understand Yahweh. They don't understand God. They just know that something special has happened, okay, and that they are coming. So what they saw is not that my star is, no, no, none of us has a star in heaven. There's nothing like that. Is There's nothing in scripture. No, God spoke to them in a the language they understood to bring them to Jerusalem, okay? And there's another prophetic reason for bringing people from the east, Okay, another prophetic reason. Well, we can't go into that today. I hope I've answered the question. Hallelujah. So they can, so you or say, oh, they read my star. You don't have a star. <laughs> if you have a star, they can read it. You don't have a star. Let me tell you what you have. You have a purpose in Christ Jesus. Huh? You have a purpose in Christ Jesus. You don't have a star. Okay? So say, oh, they have read my star. You do not have a star. If you're a star, <laughs> that simply means you're in the sky. I'm not in the sky. I'm seated in heavenly places, above stars and moons and whatever. So that is not, not who you are. Okay, but Jesus was trying to use the language of the wise men over there to bring them to where Jesus is. Because the language of Yahweh to the Jew, or who are shepherds, is the angel visiting. Because they, there's a history that the angels had appeared to their father Abraham, appeared to Jacob, appeared to Moses. They have they've read in the Tanakh which is the scripture at that time, the Hebrew scripture, that of several appearances of angels. So when God was going to speak to the shepherd, his angels showed up. When was going to speak to these people who are astronomers all the way, uh, is, is astronomer or astrologers now, all the way in the east, and they were wise men, and, and all they do is they could tell the times from the stars, okay, they followed the stars. Not that because Jesus was a star, all right? Jesus was a star. If Jesus was a star, when he died, a star would have fallen from heaven. <laughs> when there's no star that fell from heaven. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Wonderful question. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, then. Okay, let's move to the next one. Glory be to God. Now, this is the one that is very, very key and very important to me. Christians cannot miss the rapture. This is another lie of the devil. Because there's, there's this sermon going on now, once saved, always saved. We call it Osas. Once saved, always saved. <laughs> Osas. Christians, <laughs> Christians or believers, let me not use the word Christians. Believers cannot miss the rapture. That is, that is, this is what the devil is saying. You know, that believe, Christ, believers cannot miss the rapture. The believers cannot go to hell. It doesn't matter how you live your life. Heaven is yours. It is a lie of the devil. This is a lie of the devil. Are you listening? This is a lie of the devil. Let's quickly go and debunk this lie. Let's quickly open scripture. Let me tell you three or four things or six things here. Um, proof. I might not be able to go through all of them. Proof that what he's saying is an absolute lie. Hallelujah. Absolute lie. Praise the Lord. Quickly, open your Bible with me. Open your Bible with me. Um, 1 Corinthians and chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Verse number 9. Salvation does not remove your will from you. That's point number 1. Salvation does not remove your will from you. So the fact that you got saved does not mean that God 
now uh, you no longer have a will and you cannot say bye-bye salvation does not remove your will from you you still have your will you can choose tomorrow you don't want to have anything to do with jesus again uh, the same way you can you chose that you're going to surrender your heart to him you can choose not you don't want to have anything to do with jesus again you can okay so the first point is salvation does not remove your will so i say salvation versus your will because salvation does not remove your will from um from you okay first corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 very quickly open bible everybody first corinthians 6 9 this is paul speaking now says do do you not know now please this is not written to unbelievers this is written to saints in corinth do you not know because the corinthians were because the, they were a carnal church and they were given to sexual immorality because this, the city itself had a temple of Diana and there were prostitutes there. I used to have these um, orgies and along with the ceremony, sacrificing to idols and all the ceremonies of, uh, um, uh, of, of, of their god. Um, and it was, it was a city, because it was an affluent city, they had so much money and there was so much commerce. It was given to so much sexual immorality. Okay, so what we're seeing today is not new. There's nothing new under heaven. People were moving around nude. If you like walking in the street nude, it has happened before. But Paul was not warning them because a lot of them that were in, in the house of God who are now born again were still living that kind of life. So Paul was saying to them, he says, um, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, forewarnings, will inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, says nobody of that will inherit the kingdom of God. All right. So he now says that, and such were some of you, but you were now washed, but you were sanctified, but you were, you were justified in the name of Lord Jesus Christ and by, by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So he's saying, if you don't allow your the sin, your, gratific, your gratification, they can get you to the point where you begin to, you are not living in accordance with your nature. The new birth is very, very key. Um, I don't know, I don't have time, but I'll have loved you to see some things about the new birth, how the new birth affects your life, um, how you are in, the new birth is important, for what you want to be and who you are in Christ Jesus, extremely, extremely important. Hallelujah. But another time we'll be able to have time for that. Okay, Galatians 5, 6 to 16 to 18. Let's keep reading scriptures. You, your, It doesn't remove your will. You can still choose to do wrong. You can still choose to live an ungodly life. You can still choose to keep living in sin. You can still choose to become, to not to walk the path of holiness. You can still choose to live... Uh, contrary to the nature 
the, of Christ Jesus that is now in you. Um, I, Galatians 5, 16 to 18, I say then, walk in the spirit is a choice. Walk in the spirit, you can decide not to. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lost after the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. So that you do not, you do not do the things that you wish. So a lot of times that some things you do because there's a war in your members. You end up doing things you do not want to do. But now say, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Hallelujah. If you are led by the spirit. So he said, you have to choose to be led by the spirit. Okay, so that you don't subject yourself to all these things. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. Open your Bible. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. The Bible says, Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, that you put on concerning, you put off, put off. Now it says you are to one that will take it off. God will not do it for you. You put off, okay, concerning your former conduct. The old man, there's an old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed. It is something deliberate and is a process. You must engage in it and you must be, leave it and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man. There is a new man. It is you that will put him on. Salvation does not remove your will. You put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The new man does not practice sin. The new man practices his righteousness and holiness. All right? But he says there's an old man. He's still there. He says, put him off. He's still there. You have to remove him. Okay? Colossians says, therefore, mortify, therefore, your members, which are these. Okay, they are, they are there, but you are the one that will mortification is to kill them. Okay, annihilate them, crucify them, kill them, and destroy them. Make sure they have no power over you. Romans and chapter number six, very quickly. Romans six, you should read the whole chapter. Very important. Read the whole chapter of Romans six. It is very, very important. The whole chapter of Romans six. But I'll just read verses one and two and verse eleven. Um, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know? Um, okay, who live any longer in it? Now, take a leap to verse number 11. Take a leap to verse number 11. I did all this because of time. I'd love, love to read the passage, but please read the whole chapter 6 and 7. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So when you see Christians, I feel, I can live anyhow. It's already bought. Sins have been forgiven. Present, past, and future. Yes, sins have been forgiven. Present, past, and future. Ladies and gentlemen, but not anyone who decides not to put on the new man. Okay, and a lot of people that we think are Christians are not born again yet. I'm telling you the Jesus truth. They are not saved yet. Okay, and you, if you you keep living in sin so much, and that there's nothing has changed since you are a non-believer and you became a believer. Not there's no change in your life. The same way you live is the same way you are living, brother or sister. I can't call you brother or sister. I'll say, um, you and thou, thou art not saved. <laughs> you are not saved. 
you are not saved. Um, what characteristically God gives you a new nature. It is possible. I'm not saying Christians can't do wrong. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, oh yeah, because I mean, the, the process of your journey when you're still trying to walk, you you lose some steps, you you trip. The Bible says seven times the righteous man falls, seven times the Lord lift him up. Okay, he will lift you up. But what it's saying basically is that your you if those your nature has not changed, there is no new man to put on. You are not. There's nothing that's changed as regards your life since you got born again. Please, you are not saved yet. You need to go and give your heart to Jesus. I tell you the Jesus truth. You will never experience salvation. Okay? Probably you came out for the pastor. You came out for anybody if you did. But you never experience salvation. Alright? If you sin now and there's no conviction in your heart, the Holy Spirit is not convicted of sin, of judgment, and of righteousness. Okay? And there's nothing that is telling you in your heart this is not the way the Lord wants you to live uh, you were never saved I'm so sorry uh, well there's no need to apologize to you that's what the Bible says you were never saved and you need to be saved and you can give your heart to Jesus today and start the journey and the true thing you become a true believer okay you also see the parables of Jesus Luke chapter 8 11 to verse 15 is the parable of the of the uh, what do you call it now of the um of the sower you see the one that, that uh, this is just to show you number one that brethren you can decide to call it quits number one because you still have your will okay salvation did not remove your will from you you can walk away okay jesus did not see we don't see grace is not duress jesus did not bring you in by force he brought you in by love i say take that again Jesus did not bring you into his into his love by into into his kingdom by force. He brought you into his kingdom by love. Okay? Not by force, by love. Alright? But brethren, I, it still it didn't take your will from you. Grace did not expunge you responsibility to want to remain in the relationship. Alright? It is a relationship. And so if you want to, I don't want this relationship anymore. Oh, God respects God. When his love knocked on your door or the door of your heart, it took you, it took your will to want to yield to it. Alright? And you did. Okay. So you can also decide, you know what? This is not for me. I'm just going back to and you see the Bible talks about a falling away. I'm going to look at that at that a few times. But you can check more of these other scriptures. Let me quickly read the one in the book of Luke and chapter number eight. Luke chapter number eight, eleven to fifteen. Luke eight, eleven to fifteen. And this doctrine is getting there, and the devil is setting it up because he wants a lot of a lot of a lot that it feels that's the easiest way to get a lot of people to just uh, miss, miss eternal life. Um, the parable of the sower explained in Luke 8 11. It says, Now the parable is this the seed is the word of God, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. Those ones never got saved at all. Are you listening? Then, number two category, verse 13. But the one on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. They got saved. They receive the word with joy. And these have no roots. So they did not grow. Um, they did not have roots. Um, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Fall away. We'll see the word fall away again later when we get to Paul's, um, Paul's testimony. Fall away. The word fall away is the word apostasia. Apostasia is defection. From truth, 
when you defect from truth, when you forsake, is what you call fall away. This is the same word. And I'll put your finger here. Go with me to first, first um, Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Let me show you that same word again. Fall away. They, they decide, that they, are, they forsake, they defect from the truth. Okay? First, first Timothy, rather. First Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. 1 Timothy 4, 1, very quickly. We see that word again. The word fall away is the word apostasia. Apostasia means defection from truth or to forsake. Okay, chapter 4, verse 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. In other words, there will be a falling away. They will depart. They will not stay. It's not saying that they will be cold. No, it says they will depart from the faith is the same word apostasia which means they will they, they will leave they will defect from the truth they will forsake it all together okay these ones are not going to make heaven hallelujah open with me again to second thessalonians and chapter number two let's see this same word again apostasia it says this one they heard the word they believed but they, there was they fell away why they could they didn't want trouble with their own salvation their own salvation was not give them any trouble at all now look at chapter number two second thessalonians chapter number two verse number three 2 Thessalonians 2, verse number 3. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. There will be a falling away. It's not talking about unbelievers cannot fall away from the truth. They were never in the truth. It is only those who had received the truth, who had the truth, and who are living in the truth that can fall away from the truth. So there can be a falling away, apostasia. A defecting from the truth. A forsaking. Hallelujah. Parable number two. You see it's the parable of uh, rich man and Lazarus. You know rich man called um, Father Abraham father. And Father Abraham said yes son. Okay suggesting there was a relationship before then. But brethren he still ended up in the wrong place. And he knew. He said please can you send somebody to go and talk to. Uh, and Father Abraham said they have the law and the prophet because he knew what the law and the prophet means. Father Abraham didn't have to explain it to him. No, they did. Matthew 25, 1 to 13 is the story of the ten virgins. And you know that story that you could miss the rapture. <laughs> they were all virgins. Okay, some just had extras, the others did not have extra. Okay, that extra is, is what tells you whether you're going to take roots like you see in the parable of the um, sower or you don't take roots. <laughs> okay. And uh, five left, and when the, by the time they were ready, the bridegroom had shut the door. So sorry, but they were all virgins. All right, hallelujah. Virginity suggests uh, righteousness. Okay, Jesus said, let's look at what Jesus said in many places. Um, Luke 9 62, maybe we just check that. No, Luke 9 62 says, You can't put your hand on the plow and look back, that you will not be fit. Whoever put his hand on the plow and looks back is no longer fit for the kingdom. Okay, he didn't say people that have been looking at the plow, people that have put their hand, okay, people that have come in and decide, okay, you know what, I'm going to look back. So he keeps reminding them, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Okay, so you don't become a pillar of salt. Matthew 10, 22, Matthew 24, 13, Jesus said, only he who endures to the end 
shall be saved. Check out all those scriptures. In John, Jesus had told the disciples, the, 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 the Jews, oh, that uh, who had believed in him, they all came to him and blah, blah, blah. Later, towards the end in John 8, after Jesus was talking to them, Jesus later called them the children of the devil because they now decided they were going to abandon that truth and they were going to confront Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. But brethren, the one that is scary is this one. So Paul's story. If you read 1 Corinthians in chapter number 9, 1 Corinthians 9, we'll read verse number 27. Now, this is Paul the apostle. For me, the greatest, greatest apostle, I mean, you read your Bible, 13 books from this one man. Hallelujah. 9, chapter 9, 27. Um, chapter 9, verse 27 of 1 Corinthians. This I, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You can be disqualified. Huh? Uh, another version says, I myself should become a castaway. In Jesus' name, none of us will be cast away. Okay? None of us will be cast away. None of us will be cast away in the name of Jesus. Paul, 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 <laughs> who wrote 13 books, says, uh, pray for me. Say, I discipline myself. I don't allow my body to rule me. I don't allow my body and his cravings to rule my life. So I bring it into subjection. Because lest, because the consequence of that is this. You will, I will preach to others, and I myself, who preach to them and brought them to the kingdom, I will be disqualified from entering into the kingdom. Or, another one says, I will be cast away, which is apostasia. Okay? I'll be thrown out. I'll, I'll be forsaken. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 7, he told some people that said, but Lord, we did miracles in your name. After he had shut the door during rapture, he said, I did, never knew you. I never knew you. So please, uh, don't, 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 don't look at people and because of what they're doing, you think, you think they are, they are acceptable to God, okay? It is the life. It is the life that is the fruit, okay? Not the act. Jesus can do. Some of them are not even spiritual. I mean, they're not light in the first place. Um, um, then even the ones that are light, God says we should be careful, okay? We should be careful so that what we're doing will not take his place in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. I think I have to stop here. You read the story of Demas also. Demas was celebrated initially. Then Demas were now abandoned Paul at the end of it. Revelation 3.15, Laodicean Church. Jesus said, you are neither cold nor hot. I will spoo you out. When he spoos you out, you are no longer with him. You have become two bodies. You are no longer one body with Christ. That is means he's casting you away. <laughs> Apostasia. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you will, none of us will be cast away. In Jesus' name, I pray for fresh fire, fresh auction, an awakening from our inner man of our love for God uh, and our desire to fellowship with Him. Brethren, He comes soon, Maranatha. Um, even if I not even come in 10,000 years, makes no difference. But we are to live ready. Okay? The crown of life, which God has prepared for those who love is appearing. You must be looking forward to the rapture. You must be looking forward to the fact that Jesus is coming. It will help. It will help you live narrowly. It will help you live the life Jesus wants. Hallelujah. The Bible says he that has this hope in himself is purified himself even as his pure. Okay, because you have a hope that Jesus is coming someday. Okay, you will quickly mend fences. You don't allow anything around you to keep you, make you so weighty that you cannot take 
the flight. Your passport, your salvation is your passport, but you still need a ticket. The ticket is your readiness. All right, the passport is not going to be enough. The Bible says, those who love is appearing. There is a love in there, the preparation, there's a looking forward to. And the Lord will keep us in Jesus' name. I will not see you here doing after rapture. You will not see me here after rapture in the name of Jesus Christ. But we see ourselves by the by in front of our master. We'll be seated and I'll be waving to you and you'll be waving to me as we sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb. The new Jerusalem, brethren, streets of gold. And you see my chamber, huge, big. And I'll come visit you. We'll know each other. We'll be able to sit down and discuss the master. We'll go through everything in scripture as many times as we can. I don't know about you. I look forward to it. Don't allow anything here. Don't allow it to make you too heavy for flight. Don't allow the cares of this world. Remember the people, the, the one that fell by the tongue. It was the cares of this world that choked it. Okay? It was still there, but it got just choked. It never produced anything because it was choked by the cares of this world. Because don't because of what you want to be the hundred thousand people you want on uh, Instagram. That's what some people are living for now. Your followership on Instagram, your whatever, whatever. That means more to you than your service and relationship with Jesus. It is not likely you are becoming too heavy for the flight. You have to be light, brethren. We have to be light. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. The burden you are carrying is heavy. The one for Jesus is light. There's a reason why it's light so that you can make the flight. Hallelujah. God bless you. May the Lord keep you and keep all of us in Jesus' mighty name. And if you have anyone around you who, who you know, it says they are saved, but their life is so-so, just do your part. Pray for them. And please talk to them. Ask them, can you revisit Jesus again? Pray to them and go and talk to them and see what Jesus can do. Hallelujah. God bless you. Until I come your way again, we'll get to finish this series next week. So I'm going to do 9 and 10. Um... And we're going to have time for questions. So please keep posting your questions so you don't forget them. Um, write them out. Do whatever you have to do. I'll see you again next week. God bless you real good. In Jesus' mighty name.